Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. Hey, fellas, calling in, curious about the put call and the put call ratio specifically. If you could elaborate and explain um, a little more towards what those two are and then what the ratio involves with the stock and provides unbiased answers. Puts and calls are options. You can put a stock to somebody at a certain price or call it away from somebody at a certain price. Invest Talk. Over 32 million downloads and counting. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and it is Friday, July 30th, 2021. Uh, as we move through the month, we're almost through. We're well, just about finished through July, going to August. My birthday is August, August 11th, so I got another one coming, unfortunately. You don't like counting them when you get old. You just don't want to, I guess. Uh, the market has been pretty volatile. I've been off for a couple, three days and be keeping an eye on it. And I see that it's still being volatile and it's going to continue to be that way. So it's just a matter of dealing with it. And you can do it. It's not that hard. We all have to do it. So on today's program and podcast, we always state our thoughts, our mission statement right at the top, independent thinking and shared success. And, of course, that is your assurance that we are going to give you honest, straightforward information. That's our job. Our job is to answer your questions and give you factual information as we know it. Okay, and try to guide you into better investments. It's you know, investing is not is not super complicated other than you have to know a lot about a lot of things. Economics, corporations, and how the, the language of the stock market, how it moves up and down, and why it does it does why it does, why it does what it does, and can you interpret it? And it's changing constantly. It's that, that makes it difficult. Anybody can understand what's being said, written about, uh, and how things move and keep a track of those things. But it's hard to put it all together and try to, find, and try to invest something in solid and will go, um, go in the direction you need to go to make money. Over, and most people don't have the patience. That's one of the biggest problems with most people. Patience, and we'll try to teach you patience as well. Okay, so we'll try to do all this without any bias. I'm Steve Peasley, and I do really encourage you to call. You can contact me right now. We're live four to five Pacific time, Monday through Friday, and you can call now. If you can't call during the live show, you can still call and leave your message, and we will get to the question. We promise. Okay, so let's go right to the first listener line question. Hey, Stephen, Justin, I'm calling out of Chicago. I had a question about Duolingo. Ticker code is D-U-O-L, Delta under over low. 
they're opening up an IPO at $102 a share, which I think seems a little high. Uh, their core function is teaching languages, so like just basically a, a language learning tool. Um, I think it could potentially dip after its initial offering, something maybe to track potentially like a short-term investment as it comes through um, its first public offering. So just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Thank you. Yeah, it came out public uh, one, two, three days ago. It got as high as, uh, I can be give you some approximate numbers here. About 145 or so, it's it's settled now at about 140. Um, and yeah, what is, it's simple as D-U-O-L, Duolingo Inc. Uh, it's out of Pittsburgh. Designs and develops digital a digital language learning educational platform suggests lessons in multiple languages. Uh, I wouldn't buy it. It doesn't make any money. It's not going to make any money this year. I don't know when it's going to make money. Sales, though, have increased pretty sharply in the last four quarters, over 100% per quarter. But they're at $55 million per quarter. Okay, well, what's that? That... Uh, Two, 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 uh, 200 million for the year and it's a 5.4 billion dollar company that doesn't make money it's amazing that these companies are trading at such a high valuation so no I, I'm not interested you shouldn't be interested this is uh, total speculation we don't know if it will make money when it will make money and why is it selling for $140 a share that simple Okay, my focus point today concerns the question, can you put too much into a health savings plan? Can you put too much money into a health savings plan? You know, HSA. We talked about that last week. There's, you know, some nuances about it. We'll, we'll talk about it today. Um, Robin Hood. First day IPO. Did you see that? I don't know if Justin mentioned it, but they came out yesterday. Well, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit. Talking about housing is up 16.6% year over year, according to CoreLogic uh, Case Schiller. How about recent stats this week? What are they showing us? Cost for a Costco card is going up. You know, that's one of the main ways they make money, you know, with their cards. So that's going up. We'll talk about that. And don't buy these things used. I have a list of things that are used that you shouldn't buy used. You should always buy them new. And I thought that was an interesting list when I saw that they said that they have 10 things. I said, I wonder what their 10 things are. So I will out of share with it. It's kind of fun. It is Friday. We'll have a fun little thing with the end of the day. My trivia question is concerned with how to land a great job. In particular, what not to do with your resume. My trivia question is coming up right at the halfway mark of the show. And since it's Friday, I will share highlights from the KPP Premium Newsletter. I do that every Friday, as you know. How did the market do today? Well, it was down. You know, it is kind of down. The Dow was down 149. The Nasdaq down 106. And the S&P down 24. So it's kind of a down day, even though earnings have been pretty good. Notice hardly anybody's writing or talking about earnings, earnings season. It just seems to be awful quiet about the earnings. 
not sure why that is. Usually earnings are a big focus, but you know, as, you know, I go through every day. I go through various websites, money financial websites that I go to every day, and I look at all the high the uh, the um, the headlines, and then I read those things I'm most interested in, and that's how I do my day. So I know when earnings season comes out, all of a sudden the high, you know, the 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 uh, headlines refer to corporations making or breaking their estimates or not making them or guiding high, you know, that usually be a headline, you know, uh, concerning those things. And there's hardly any. I mean, they're out there, but it's just not like the numbers that they usually are. So this is interesting. This is Invest Talk, everybody. We're headed into a quick break, but I invite you to call with your financial investment questions. 888-99-CHART is the number. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief risk alize quiz. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is uh, Alan from Conwood calling again. Thank you so much for answering all my questions. I have a question today about Affirm Holdings, ticker symbol AFRM. I bought this stock at around $70, and when it was first picking up all the speed and all that, heard a lot of uh, stories about it and all that. Didn't really think about the fundamentals or anything, and now I, uh, I'm just thinking about getting rid of it, and I'm wondering if you guys think I should take the loss or uh, just hold on and see what happens. It's about uh, 2% of my portfolio. Uh, thank you, and I'll be listening on the podcast. Okay, Affirm Holdings, Inc., uh, symbol AFRM, provides information technology solutions for digital and mobile-first commerce. I would get rid of it. It's a fairly new stock. Remember, everybody, I keep telling you, do not buy stocks that don't make money. This is an IPO came out in January, and the IPO numbers were like 100 to 120, got as high as 145 or so. Today, it's at 56. Why was it 140, 120? Why, why was it up there? For the first month or two, that's where it stu- stayed. Well, it doesn't make money. It's going to lose $1.90 per share this year, and then another $0.75 cents next year next year. Sales are growing 50 60% in the last two quarters. Before that, those sales were going, growing 90 100%. Those sales are not growing fast. Why would it be worth $15 billion, the whole company, when they don't make money? Debt is pretty high. Management owns quite a bit. That's nice, 21%. Negative cash flow. Do not buy companies that don't make money. Don't. I mean, you got to leave that for the experts, the people that really are in the know. You know, you and I, we, you know, we're not, we're not attuned enough with these kinds of companies. We don't know the inner and outer works. We don't know exactly what's going on under the hood of these companies. You need, we just don't have that kind of knowledge, and then we probably won't be able to get it either. Has to be people who are much more, much closer to the company to know what's going on. So I, I just, I'm just saying, there's no reason for you to invest in these kind of companies. There isn't. 
No, don't. My focus point today concerns this question. Can you put too much money into a health savings account, HSA, HSA? And why would you? Should you? So we're going to talk about that. You know, HSA is a health savings account. That's where you put money aside. It's like kind of sort of like an IRA, but it's actually better than an IRA in some ways. Uh, you put pre-tax dollars in there. You don't have to pay income tax on that money you put in there. I think it's like 7000 a year. There's limits. Uh, and use that money to... And use that money to pay health bills if you want to. You also don't have to pay them right away. And we'll get into that, and I'll explain why. How it could be beneficial maybe not to pay the health bills out of there, your out-of-pocket expense and health care out of there, and save it up. Talk about that a little bit more. So that's, that's going to be our, our, our talking point today. When people take time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we don't, we like to thank them by putting their questions uh, up quickly, as quickly as we can. We try to do this for everybody. It's, but, you know, if you give us a review, we'll try to push you up a little higher up in the queue. Okay? So here's a question from Zach talking about a portfolio. Came in on July 28th. Okay, Zach says... I'm 20 years old, and I used to have 100% of my investments in Robinhood. Since I listened to the show, I opened up a, a TD Roth IRA uh, and liquidated half of my Robinhood positions, moved them to TD. Should I go ahead and do that with the remaining stocks in my Robinhood portfolio and instantly move over to TD? You know, you don't have to sell them to move one over, you know. You can just transfer them where they are. Okay, um, so why don't you just transfer the account to one account? You don't need two accounts. You don't need two accounts doing the same thing. So, yeah, I would move them over to TD Ameritrade, uh, which eventually, by the way, is going to be Schwab. Schwab bought them over a year ago, and eventually all the TD Ameritrade accounts will be Schwab accounts, which is no big deal. He said the potential issue I have is dollar cost averaging in quite a bit of, bit of the gold and liquidating it would lock in the it losses. Don't liquidate them. Don't sell them. Just transfer it over. You know, there's maybe you should call up and you know maybe we should discuss it because you know there's ways to avoid selling stuff and not trigger taxes, but there's no not going to be any taxes if it's an IRA like you're suggesting. So I'm not, I'm, I'm a little confused. Okay, you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and for investors, the need to remain vigilant is always present. You have to be vigilant. So, you probably have questions about that. Questions about your investments. What should you do? And that's why I remind you now that you can call our 24-hour listen line anytime. Leave your question anytime you want. We call it our voice bank system. Justin and I will provide unbiased answers on the podcast. We're taking your calls live right now, 888-99-CHART. When you tell your friends and family members about the free InvestTalk podcast downloads, let them know they can choose an episode that covers their topic of interest. Download free anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or InvestTalk.com. 
Okay, so our main talking point today is about HSAs, HSAs, health savings accounts. Okay, what are they? Well, you, the money you put in these things is used for you to used for out-of-pocket medical expenses. So why would you want to open one? Because they are like they're similar to IRAs. So you put money into them, and that money you put into them is tax deducted from your income for that year, so you don't have to pay income tax on it. Then it also grows tax-free. So as it grows, you never have to pay taxes on the increase. So the, the idea is you can invest that money in any way, any stocks you want to, any kind of asset you want to that's you know uh, in the public. And so it can grow faster and tax-free. Now, let's say you have health out-of-pocket expenses this year. You don't have to pay them out of your HSA. You can pay them out of your pocket. Why would you do that? Because if you don't use the money in HSA, you can let it grow faster. But if you keep the receipts of what you paid out of pocket, you have unlimited time to collect that money out of your HSA. Okay, so you can wait five years and then take the money out of the HSA then. So you get five years of all that growth, and then you can take all the five years' worth of medical expenses out at one time. As long as you have the receipts, you can prove it. So that's a pretty good benefit. Okay, so that's one way you can get the money out. Now, there's another way. After age 65, you can withdraw it just like a regular IRA. Okay, so you don't have to... You don't have to pay medical expenses with the money. You just withdraw it. Now, it's going to be added to your taxable income. Now, this is the danger. At the end of your life, if you don't, if you have bunches of money in there, and so it's, you're, you're, you're going to have it go to your heirs, they're going, they don't get the benefit as an inherited IRA where they can take the money slowly out over a period of time. They're going to, if the, the day they inherit it, they have to count as, as income and pay income tax on it. So that, there's a danger of having all that money left over by the end of your lifetime. That you don't really want to because that's not an efficient way necessarily to pass money to your heirs. So those are the danger of that. Okay. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And of course, uh, for investors, the need to remain vigilant is constant, and we know that, okay? So what are you doing? To Are you watching your account? You don't have to watch it every day. You don't. But you do have to keep an eye. When I, so when I tell you to be vigilant, that just means, like, take a, just be aware of what your stocks are doing. You don't have to look at them all the time. Uh, and, if and if you buy good companies, solid companies for the long haul, you, don't have, you can look at them once a week, once a month. And if they're solid companies, you can you can don't have to be as diligent, okay? So, just don't just you just need to be vigilant. You have to like, okay, you own a tech company and you know a new tech company is coming out with it with something that's going to destroy your old tech company. You got to be aware of those kinds of things, okay? Anyways, now as I've told many times. Uh, we, we get InvestTalk listeners' questions all all sorts of topics. Sometimes potential stock picks, other times about market dynamics. Sometimes people want 
us to explain a process of a term, a definition. We will do all that. Let's play this question now, then I'll give you my answer. Hey, fellas. Calling in, curious about the put-call and the put-call ratio. Specifically, if you could elaborate, explain um, a little more towards what those two are and then what the ratio involves with the stock. Uh, Appreciate it. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Well, puts and calls are options. And there are options. uh, You can put a stock to somebody at a certain price or call it away from somebody at a certain price. So the ratio between those two, how many puts versus how, how many shares are being put, how many shares are being called, gives you an idea if someone's positive about the company, or not someone, but a lot of someone's are positive about a company, or negative about a company. So the put-call ratio gives you an idea of, it's called, it's, you know, it's called the fear gauge. So if you're fearful, you want to put the stock to somebody before it falls too far. If you're, if you're not fearful and you're positive, you're, you're pumped up, you want to get that stock. You want to call it from someone, from someone to you. So put, call. So that's what we're talking about. And the ratio is, well, how many puts versus how many calls? Okay, it's, it's, so does that ratio tell us whether there's more optimism and fear or more, more optimism or more fear on that stock? And you can do that for the whole. Oh, you can do that whole S and P 500 put call ratio on this, on the indexes. Is fear in the market or greed in the market? See? That kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Before the break, here's the uh, the pandemic has brought a widespread changes to the labor market, and at the moment there are more open jobs than there are takers for those jobs. But the difference between getting a job and locking in a a high-paying, attractive job? Pretty important. So let's go to break. Here's my trivia question. According to the CEO, who claims to have read more than a 1,000 resumes, what are a few of the things you should not have on your resume? At the break, I'll give you the answer. But for now, the lines are open. 888-99-CHARGE. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity 
or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Okay, before the break, I had a trivia question for you. According to a CEO who claims to have read more than a thousand resumes, what are the few? What are what are a few of the things you should not have in your resume? Now, a thousand resumes to me is not a lot. I've read more than that, I think, over my career. I don't know for sure because I never counted them, but a thousand doesn't seem a lot to me. Okay, there are always folks who tell us what to include in a resume, but there's not too many people that tell you what to leave out. One of the things you should leave out is irrelevant hobbies and interests. And, it, you know, you should put those at the very bottom of the resume anyways because they're not that important. That's not what's really critical. Okay, most hiring people, people that hire people, other people, want to get down to the facts and they want to get to the heart and meat of the matter right away because they're busy. They don't want to read a million resumes. So too many soft skills, listing your soft skills, it's okay to have maybe two or three, but what's a soft skill? Oh, I'm very great. I'm a great communicator. I work, I, I can, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I excel at teamwork. Uh, I can, I'm a good problem solver. I'm good with time management. Yeah, that, yeah everybody, you better be. You want the job. So two, the, can mention them a couple, three, but then that's it. Don't get too carried away. Okay, so your professional headshots. Some these days, you know, with the day of the internet, all the resumes are going. Should you include your photograph, a photograph of you? Now, I, this, this guy says, don't do it. Don't do it because you don't know the prejudices of the person who's reviewing it, right? It could be prejudiced in any way, one shape, or another. You're too good-looking. You're too ugly. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You don't know what their prejudices are. They don't like blondes. They don't like black hair. Whatever. 
you don't know what they are, so don't include it. Therefore, they can't. All they can look at is at your professional, your professional uh, resume of what you can bring to the table. Now, those things that you bring to the table depends on the type of job you're applying for, right? How much? How many years should you put if you're, you know, forty-five years old, let's say, and you're applying for the job? Do you put go back to all the way to the beginning of your career? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay, so maybe only the last 10 years or so, the relevant 10 years, don't put irrelevant jobs that you have. That kind of thing. And I, I agree with them there. One thing I tell uh, people, uh, I have a lot of nieces and nephews, right, going for their first career jobs. And I always tell them, okay, whatever company you're going to, find out about the company. Learn something about the company that makes you stand out. For instance, you know you know what the products they use. In the conversation, if you ever you get the interview, bring all that information you have, but blend it into the conversation. You know, the guy might say, you might the interviewer might say, well, we're pretty forward thinking here in the company. We're in this particular type of business and. Uh, we're leaders in this, and we're working on that. Then you could expand. Uh, yes, I know you have several products out. Uh, the name of prop, blah, 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 and I hear, I understand those are very good. And uh, yeah, so, in other words, do some research. Just talk with knowledge about the company you're trying to get a job with. That will impress them. Trust me, it always does. Anyway, so those are things you leave out of your resume. It's Friday, so my highlights from the KPP Premium Newsletter are coming up in just a few minutes. But first, let's take another caller question. Hey, how's it going, guys? I was looking for your take on a company called Altimune. The ticker symbol is ALT. I recently bought a small position in this company. They had a major drop. We're just looking for your insight on what the potential over long-term hold is. Thanks, guys. Bye. Okay, this is Altamin. Altamune develops medical products to stimulate robust and durable immune responses for the prevention of diseases. Okay. Now, this is the third company in a row that people call back called about. That doesn't make money. This company has been around for a long time, has never made money. Why would you want to buy that stock? It's a very small company, $348 million market cap. It made $800,000 total sales last than the most recent quarter. That was $2.3 million. So there's absolutely no reason to own this company. It's selling for $9.07. Why is it a... Dollar negative, dollar thirty-one cash flow. It's going to lose a dollar thirty-eight next year, and losing a dollar fifty-four this year. <laughs> no, no reason to buy something like this. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Don't buy companies that don't make money. Third stock in a row this hour. Third stock in a row that does not make money. Why are you investing in these things? You're going to lose money. You're going to lose your hard-earned dollars investing in these guys of stock. Do you never invest them? I'll never say you never invest in them. But it should be very, very rare and with only a tiny part of your assets. Okay? 
The KBP newsletter came out, comes out every Friday. And the market condition sections, there's four sections. The first one is market conditions. The big news this week was centered around the latest Federal Reserve policy statement. In their announcement, the Fed revealed that it would keep rates between 0 and 0.25. That means the overnight rate that the bank lends money. This means rates will remain as are unchanged. And we all kind of knew that that's what they're doing, right? They said they would ignore inflation. Okay, so, of course, the market was interested in parsing the Fed's policy statement, which it is all the time. Why? Investors wish to assess whether the uh, language which indicates a suggestion that the Fed was starting to think about tightening money supply out there. We're looking for hints about that. The market's pretty sensitive about that. Okay, so they were pretty happy about the Fed statement. There wasn't any signal that someday or soon or whatever that they would change their stance on the easy money policy we have right now. So then we went into some details about housing. We went into talked about inflation. Inflation gauge followed closely by the Federal Reserve increased 3.5% year over year in June, slightly between the 3.5% estimate in the slightly below the 3.5, 3.6%. So it's 3.5, 3.6. Now that was the PCE, not the CPI and the PPI, which are running at 5 and 6%. I think both those gauges are undercounting inflation. Undercounting inflation. Personally, that's what I think. I also said that inflation has started to gain steam this year and is expected to rise. It's all in the newsletter, and I've been saying that for a number of newsletters. This is not new, okay? Portfolio management. Many individuals have put retirement plans on hold because they fear that they will not earn enough money in the later years of their lives. Unfortunately, circumstances are much different than they were 10, 20 years ago. Back then, retirees could invest could invest the bulk of their money in safe, fixed income and earn 7% or more. Now retirees are lucky to earn a safe 3%. That'd be lucky. Try to, well, how much can you get on a CD? So you have to take chances. And that for a retiree is scary. And it should be scary. And it is scary. And I, there's not a lot of solutions for it. There just isn't. So, talk, you know, talked about your portfolio and how to become you know, what, understand the risk that you're taking. Uh, we, on uh, uh, the stock idea, I always give two stocks ideas every week. You know, and these are ideas. These are not, stock, oh, buy this stock right today. I'm not suggesting you buy these stocks. I'm suggesting you put them on your watch list and, and do some research and find out more about them. I'll give you a little information about it, but. One is, uh, operates a fixed wireless business in France, where is the market leader? Currently, their dividend yield is about 9%. However, the company only makes two payments a year, so it's, you know, not every quarter or anything. I also mentioned the leading developer of uh, anti-sense technology used to discover and develop novel drugs. It has one of the broadest pipelines in the biotech sector. We love big pipelines when you're talking about drug companies. Pipeline is how many testing drugs are in their system, are they working on? 
You know, more they working on, the better chance they have of a winner coming out of that Bible. Okay? There's a lot of valuable information in the KPP Premium Newsletter. Each week comes out every Friday. It's easy for you to subscribe if you want to, directly through investtalk.com. And after subscribing, you'll receive the full report. That's newsletter, premium newsletter, every Friday. Every Friday, directly in your email box. So I appreciate it if you would take a look. Okay, Robinhood, the first IPO came out. That was the IPO. Everybody was, oh, iBoom's coming out. Robinhood's good. Everybody thinks it's just wonderful. I want you to know that all the uh, rookie or beginner investors think Robinhood is wonderful. Not the people that have been doing it for a while. But the IPO came out, and they closed down to, uh, at 3482 on the first day, down 8.4%. So it wasn't all that exciting. It wasn't all that ex- you know successful. Housing up 16.6%. We've got housing numbers this week. CoreLogic, Case-Shiller for May, 16.6. But that's a 16.6 year-over-year gain. But that's for May. More recently... How about Monday, new house sales for June? There were 676,000 of them. They expected 795. It was 724 the the month before. So 676,000 was a big disappointment. Thursday, on Thursday, uh, pending home sales for June, down 1.9%. They expected it to be up half a percent up half percent, and it was up the month before, up 8.3%. Now, I mentioned this before. I think we've seen the top of the housing market, and it's getting more and more. uh, We are receiving more and more clear evidence of that. It's clearing the picture. I think uh, we're we're starting to see it, and I'm pretty convinced that we have topped. Okay? People have asked me, do you think we're in a bubble? I, I don't think so. I don't think the banks have, you know, Loosen their standards so much that uh, you know any Tom, Dick, and Harry can get a loan. You don't have to have money. You can't don't have to worry about making the monthly payments. All those things they did in 2008, they're not doing. You still got to qualify. They still have to have 20% down. There's you know they still have pretty good restrictions, and therefore, I don't think there's a bubble. Also, millennials are coming into the market, which they haven't done in years. They're really late coming into the mar- housing market. Okay, there's a shortage of houses because the builders were not building enough, you know, and and the foreclosures are being slow and delayed by the banks not putting those houses back on the market. So there's other reasons why the prices are high and 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 uh, and uh, their houses are not on the market very long because there's a strong demand. Now. Uh, the prices the, the prices are so high they're pricing out a certain number of buyers and I think that's why I think we're seeing a top okay that's why I think we're seeing a top okay 888-99 chart I had an uh, email question that came in today uh, uh, I don't want to get to that yet but I also wanted to talk about Trying to invest in new technology stocks that come out. Now you've had we had three companies. Two of them were new. The third one wasn't. But you know, new technology, especially around the electric vehicle industry, since that's the hot thing and it's going to stay hot for some time. 
But you're going to have to be really careful because a lot of companies in that new industry aren't making any money. So I'm specifically referring to a company called Nicola Corporation. Nicola, N-I-K-O-L-A, Nicola, Nicola. Uh, the, uh, the CEO, the founder of the company, was arrested. Trevor Milton was accused of claiming that his company had manufactured working truck prototypes that would revolutionize the industry. He, was, he resigned in September. Now, he made up numbers. And if you remember right, he came out as an IPO, not in the normal way. Okay, he came out with a what, what one of those uh, park companies, those uh, non-traditional uh, backed-in kind of companies uh, to become public. You know, they call them blank check companies often. And he, because of that, he felt that yeah, well, I don't know how true it is that he didn't have to wait the normal six-month period from a regular IPO before a founder can sell. So he made millions and millions, hundreds of millions, because he hyped the company with fake numbers. And you got stuck with the bill, the investor. Investor in that company got stuck. Stuck. He made millions. I don't know if you'll have to give it all back. He might. But I'm just saying, it's very difficult. You've got to be careful. Buy companies. Make money. But safer. Of course, this company never made money. Okay, we're headed into a final break here. Already I'm done with the show? Come on. My phone lines are open, 888-99-CHART. As we move through summer, you'll want and need unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. You've come to the right place. Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, just wanted to get you guys an opinion on ticker CRSP and ticker HACK. Thank you guys. Okay, I'm going to just pick one. HACK, no reason. That's an exchange-traded fund seeking performance corresponding to the Cybersecurity Index. So it's an ETF that's owned stocks following the cybersecurity index. So whatever's in that index, it's going to be revolved around cybersecurity, and that's the industry you're investing in. Now, I, that let, let's talk about that. You can buy ETFs or earn certain sectors because you like those sectors. They have a lot of promise. And I agree that the cybersecurity cyber is a very good area to be in. Now, but I can only tell you, this is trading, this ETS trading at $62.61. I can't tell you, is that a lot? Is it expensive? Are the companies inside this index, are they good companies? Do they make money? Do they have sales? I can't tell you that because the ETF doesn't show that. But you can do the research and take, take a look at the top 10 holdings of this ETF and do research on those 10 holdings. And that's what I would suggest when you're buying an index or buying an ETF that's tracking a sector. What's the highest holdings that they have? And do some research, do some basic research. That'll tell you if it's overvalued, undervalued, uh, what kind of stocks they have, and maybe there'll be stocks in there you don't like. So maybe you should invest. So you gotta really dig a little deeper in those ETF people, okay? Just dig a little bit. So on Fridays, I usually give you a couple of, uh, I'll give you a rundown of some uh, few benchmark numbers, like the two-year Treasury yield is 0.18. 
two years, you get 0.18% return a year. It was at 0.19 last week, gone down. The 10 year, for 10 years, you get 1.2% a year. What did I tell you inflation was? Three and a half to six, probably even higher. So you're losing buying power, buying a 10 year treasury. For 10 years, you're getting nothing, no return. Matter of fact, you're shrinking. Gold was priced at $1,815 an ounce last week, it was $1,797. So it moved up again this week. So. You know, after two weeks ago, it was eighteen thirteen, so it's only two bucks higher than two weeks ago. So don't think it's all that exciting. Silver today, twenty five fifty two an ounce. Last week was twenty five oh seven, but did okay. Oil seventy four fifteenth. Last week it was seventy one seventy four. Oil is a lot more volatile, but anything in the seventies for oil, I think, is pretty high. And of course, the national average of gasoline three dollars sixteen cents. Up a penny from last week. California, 435. It was 432 last week, up three cents. And just for comparison, Texas, $2.83. I, man, $2.83, I'm paying $4.35. Ridiculous. Anyways, I'm just not happy about it. Costco raised uh, the cost of their cards. Uh, up $5 for the gold membership to $65 a year. And for your executive membership, up $10 to $130. Try to remember that's one of the main ways Costco makes profits on those cards. It's a huge benefit for them. Okay, don't buy these things used. Only buy them new. There was a list of 10 items in this article. And the first one was car seats for babies. Why would you buy a used car seat? <laughs> I would never put my child in a car seat someone is selling because you don't have any idea whether it's good, bad, or different. Is it not broken? Is it... Well, I just don't take... Why take that chance? Okay, number one. Non-stick cookware. Well, that makes sense. Who would, I, who would ever buy anybody's cookware? I get that. I would never do. Uh, vacuums. Uh, how come it grosses me out to buy somebody else's vacuum? You know, I, I, I doesn't sound. Why would anybody sell a vacuum? <laughs> if it works, they keep it. If it doesn't work, then they get rid of it, right? Uh, okay, baby cribs, uh, tires, laptops, helmets. I wouldn't buy somebody else's one. Uh, blenders and speakers. Those are some of the items. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another InvestTalk program. Justin Klein and I thank you for joining us and listening to our show, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family, anybody else who might be interested in our free podcast downloads. You can get InvestTalk downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and InvestTalk.com. And we would really like you to rate us if you would. We appreciate that. Okay. Um... You can browse by podcast topics. Any topics? RA, 401K, big company, small company, any topic you want, you can browse. And remember, independent thinking and shared success is on one of our mottos. This is Invest Talk. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. 
Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. <laughs>